okay, like Kenny said, we have a very special guest tonight. Doug has come a long way just to share the story of Missions of Hope with us and to just kind of talk to us about what we can expect on our trip and answer any questions that you may have. So save those until the end. Be thinking, um, I became friends with Doug in the summer because we had planned on going on a vision trip in October and... Hurricane Matthew decided to make landfall the day our plane was supposed to land, so we didn't get to go. But through that, a relationship has has begun with Missions of Hope and with Doug. So we're very, very blessed to have you here tonight. And um, I was just introduced to him tonight for the first time in person. So, Doug, if you'll come on up. And uh, everybody, this is Doug. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing? This crowd's all right. How are y'all on this side? Yeah, I just didn't know for sure. I mean, you know, I'm trying to read your language there, but you wasn't saying anything. I'm from Texas, so you have to keep it simple. <laughs> we're... we're uh, we're not good in any sport right now. But I believe in miracles. So if you're a sport fan and it's in college sports, then believe with me. You don't need any help here in this state. Y'all got things going on. Oh, I do remember watching that game in Haiti. The last game Alabama played. Hmm, sorry. Offering's already been taken, so I can go ahead and say it. <laughs> it's my honor to be here. It's my honor to have developed a friendship um, with this church and with your pastor and with you to be here and to talk a little bit about what is not only my heart, but what is also the king's heart. Mission of Hope started in 1998 with Brad and Vanessa Johnson going to that country, Brad being uh, from Indiana, his wife of two years at that time. She was from Canada, and they met in Bible school, and uh, both knew God wanted them to do something, just wasn't for sure, uh, where it was and what it would be. Vanessa being an education major and Brad being a ministry major um, during their, uh, between their junior and senior year in college, they went on a mission trip to Haiti. And of course, Brad had been going there since he was five years old every year. His parents would go and do short-term missions up until he was in high school and he quit making those trips. While they were there, God spoke to both of their hearts. This is where they're to return. So after graduation for two years, uh, they raised money to support them and uh, embarked upon going to Titayan, Haiti. Um, they had four suitcases, two of them with clothes and two of them full of peanut butter. Yay for peanut butter. 
When they landed in Haiti and made their way out to Titayen, where 20 acres of land had been gotten by their parents, by Brad's parents, years earlier, um, they began school. The reason they began school is because in the country of Haiti, there's no public education. If a person goes to school, primary school, secondary school, they have to go to school through a missions, the church. I think that's pretty good myself. And um, so they started a school with 200 and uh, right at 20 students in 1998. And they noticed that when the students would come to school, their bellies were bloated. Their black hair was orange, malnutrition in them. They were falling asleep. The latter part, I didn't think was abnormal. I slept through a lot of my classes in school. So I thought that was an American thing. I, I didn't know that was a Haitian thing because you wouldn't eat and eating properly. So Brad and Vanessa remembered the peanut butter that they had brought to sustain them and they broke out peanut butter and they began to make sandwiches. Walking through the village of Titayen, Brad found a peanut grinder and he bought it. He found a Haitian lady that he could employ to grind peanuts if he could find peanuts, which he did. And she began to grind those peanuts and began to make paste. They began to feed those children. Their bellies began to shrink. Their hair color changed back to black, and they began to be alert. 220 students in 1998. When your church in just a few weeks from now lands in the country of Haiti and walks into the Titayen campus, our main campus, they will walk into an organization now that has 7,000 students and feeds 92,000 people each day of their life from 220 and peanut butter to 92,000 people. Folks, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. But that happens because there's partners around the world. There's people like this church that comes and helps facilitate. There's people that stays home and that prays. There's people that opens up their pocketbook to a dollar bill or a thousand dollar bill. You see every one of us in this room right now and the children that have already left this room, we're on mission. God called every one of us to be a missionary because the mandate of God, the heartbeat of God, the passion of God is found in John 3 verse number 16. How many knows what it says? Help me. For God. Come on, you can say it louder than that. Let's try it again. For God that he gave. He's a missionary. God's called every one of us to be a missionary. And I know that not every one of us in this room will get a passport. I know that not every one of us will get on an airplane. I know that every one of us won't find ourselves in another country, but I know that every one of us is going when somebody that's a friend or a family or somebody that we worship God with is making that step to go do 
we're part of that. We're part of that if maybe we choose to sponsor a person just like the young lady that you saw. That for, from the time she was 10 years old till 21 years old, she lived at Mission of Hope, was raised there, was educated there, was given health care there. And just this past January, she came to the United States of America, first time to leave Haiti. She, was, she received a full-ride, four-year scholarship to Southwestern University in Oklahoma City to study business. Isn't that great? That's just incredible because of her studies and because of her diligence and because of the prayers of people that surrounded her. So we're thankful that, Pastor, you're coming and bringing 31 people with you. I think it's incredible. I told you the birthing of Mission of Hope, and it started because of the students and the education. I told you what our nutrition program looks like today. It's not peanut butter. It's rice and beans and other things that we can feed them. But it's incredible what God has done, and it's all because of God. I was introduced to Mission of Hope pre-earthquake in 2008 when I was pastoring and made a trip down to, as Dawn had talked about, what was a vision trip to go and see what was taking place. When I went down there and began to hear what God was doing with in four villages that Mission of Hope was involved in at that time. And I began to hear the integrity and see the integrity of that ministry. Then as a pastor, I wanted my congregation to engage and be a part, and they chose to do that. So we've gone from 1998 up to the earthquake in 2010, you followed the news and saw the devastation that hit that country. Hundreds of thousands of lives were lost and people were displaced. They weren't letting anybody in the country like me. And only first responders could come for the first few months. One of the men that landed in Port-au-Prince was an orthopedic surgeon from Austin, Texas. Last name was Scott. And Dr. Scott went to the head of medical care and said, I'm here to help any way I can. They said, what are your skills? And he told them. They said, there's only one place that we're doing surgeries, and that's out in Titayan at Mission of Hope, Haiti. It's the only hospital clinic that hasn't been compromised, so we're going to send you out there to do lower limb amputations. Because when the earthquake happened, so much so many people had buildings fall on them or walls fall on them, on them that crushed their leg or legs that needed to be amputated. So Dr. Scott goes out, and for a couple of weeks, he had been doing that. Came a particular day that he was scheduled that morning to amputate uh, a leg off of two ladies that were in the operating room. They had been given anesthesia. And you have to understand that anesthesia at that time, what was going to happen to them, it was equal to us having a deep cleaning of our teeth. And they're about to lose a leg. 
he walks into the room and between their the two operating tables the ladies had reached over and they joined hands and in creole which is their everyday language they were singing a song dr scott doesn't know creole he's a man of science He's frustrated because these ladies are delaying what his skills, what his education has taught him to do. So he leaves the operating room and he goes out and he finds a collection of other medical people that are standing just adjacent to the operating room. And he asks, does anyone here know Creole? And one of the Haitian nurses says, I'm bilingual. He said, come and go with me. He took her into the operating room and he said, I need you to tell these ladies to quit doing what they're doing because I need to operate on them. By the way, what are they doing? She said, they're singing. He said, well, I know that, but I don't know what they're singing. She said, well, let me listen for just a minute. She said, oh, they're singing, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning from thee. Thou changest not, thou omnipotent Savior. Great is thy faithfulness. Anybody know that song? Just a few of us. Anybody know the faithfulness of God? All of us. Dr. Scott operated on those ladies, walked out of the operating room, and he said to the almost that same crowd, can somebody introduce me to the God that those ladies were singing about? You see, he went to Haiti as an atheist. But in January of 2010, he learned about the faithfulness of God, accepted God as his Savior, flies home after a few more weeks of serving with us, goes into a home to his wife and his daughter, 16 years old. They had raised that daughter as a young lady of science and atheist. He didn't tell his wife and daughter what had happened to them. He said, journey with me to Haiti. I want to show you what I've been doing and where I've been doing it. And they get to the hospital. He goes to that spot. He said, let me tell you what happened here. He told them about the experience that he had about accepting Christ as his Savior. His wife and daughter accepted Christ as his Savior. He baptized him in the Caribbean Ocean, Monday through Friday in Austin, Texas, in that orthopedic surgeon's office before it ever opens to see patients or before he ever begins to see patients. Every patient there that day sets in a Bible study with Dr. Scott. Great is the faithfulness of God. You see, I don't know what God's going to use 31 people from Simple Church and the rest of this congregation to do in two weeks. But I do know that God's going to do something in the lives of 31 people that go to Haiti. A lot of times we impart, embark upon going on a trip thinking that we're going to do something and we really do do something. But God has a plan already laid out for every one of them that's going from this place to do something inside of them. I don't know what it is. Heaven already does. But I do know that God so loved the world 
that if he needed to get an orthopedic surgeon, a man that had been an atheist, that didn't believe in God nor anything about God, into the country of Haiti, to use his skills to serve the people of Haiti, but yet have those people sing a song that touched the heart of a man that would change him from darkness to light. God so loved the world that he gave. And I'm thankful that he did that. So now we've come to 2010, serving in four villages to where now in 2017, we're in 12 villages, adding two more this year. We've gone from feeding 220 people that I told you about to 92,000 people a day. We've gone from 200-plus students to 7,000 students. Everything that God has called us to do in Mission of Hope, we do it through a local church, a local Haitian church. We don't go into a village and we don't try to build something North American. We don't try to build something Mission of Hope. We try to build the kingdom of God. And we find a pastor just like you have found in this church that has a heart for the kingdom and believes in the kingdom of God and believes it's not about my building and my space on planet Earth and about my belief. It's about God and what God wants to do in the lives of people. And so that's who we partner with. That's who we connect with. And we begin to pour into those pastors' lives as they begin to pour into the lives of the people in their villages. Well, as Don told you, there was to be a contingency from this church that was to have come to see with their eyes what God had had us doing in Haiti. And Matthew comes. Well, Matthew comes the day they're to land. The day they're to land... The U.S. Coast Guard sends four helicopters to help and rescue in Haiti, and they find a partnership with us. Along with those four helicopters and a barge that we chartered to go, it was down south from where we're located, where the devastation took place, is a good nine-hour ride. On a Haitian road, that could be... 20 miles. It could be 200 miles because you never know what a road in Haiti's going to be like. They're not good most of the time. But the thing I found about now, I'll tell the team that's going now, I don't know how many's here that's that that's going on the trip. But if you if you have anybody that you really want to see them get close to God, give them a seat on the front of the bus. Because the way they drive in Haiti, I get saved every month I go down there. I believe in eternal security, but I believe in just in case it didn't work. I'm telling you, they'll scare it out of you. You'll repent of things you hadn't even thought about doing yet, you know. It, it just, I mean, they're just nuts. <clears throat> a few years into my being a friend of them there, they, Brad, the missionary, said, Doug, don't you want to get a driving license? I said, y'all have driving license? <laughs> he said, yeah, we even have to take a test. And I said, for what? <laughs> I mean, it's just nuts down there. It's, I, I do believe that the greatest 
business anybody could have. And, and we just opened our tech school um, this week, which is incredible. Um, and they're teaching this in it because I have tooted my horn ever since I've been going at the greatest business anybody could be is to repair horns and brakes because the loudest horn gets their way in Haiti. So if you could sell an air horn, you know, on a little moped, can you imagine the damage you would do as you went down the road? Oh, you know, you're right behind there like that. Just be great. So, so it's going to be an incredible experience. And those are some things that's happened. But when the earthquake came in that first week, listen to this. This is what God helped us, help the people of Haiti do. We were able to take to the south part of Haiti 6.5 million meals and distribute them. We were able to take 10,000 families clean drinking water with water tablets and filters that they could, could take because cholera outbreaks real bad when there's a lot of flooding and when there's the devastation that takes 1,000 people in the, in the village of Jeremy where we housed ourselves, uh, died in that first week because of a cholera outbreak. We took 24,000 containers of five-gallon water, pure water, and dropped it off. 4,000 aqua tabs, 920 water filters, 4,300 hygiene kits. We helped 2,400 families, 830 blankets, 2,400 tarps. We saw 1,131 patients for medical care, and 118 gave their heart to Christ. We vaccinated 150 people. We gave out 8,000 pairs of Tom's shoes by Tom's. And 200 families have either had their home rebuilt through the efforts of partners like this church and others and Mission of Hope, or they're almost rebuilt by this time. That's what God's helped us to be a part of doing. I want to talk for just about five more minutes about something that I believe real strong. Most of us start our day, our week, our month with an agenda. We either have a to-do list or we've got something either cataloged in our brain and our thinking somewhere we know this is what my day starts like. This is what I hope it looks like. This is what I've lined out for this week. This is what's lined out for this month. If you budget, you got things budgeted here. You got things budgeted here, things budgeted here, things budgeted here. Agenda. Satan has an agenda for every person that's ever been born on the face of this earth. Every person that's ever been born on the face of this earth was created in the image of God. God said, let us make man in our own image. And it still happens. When our parents give birth to us, it's still in the image of God. God said in the Old Testament, before you were ever thought about, 
I knew you, and I chose you. I think that's great because I know my journey. I know what I was like growing up. And to know that before my mother and father ever got together and I was conceived, God knew me. And he loved me so much that he chose me. When other people may discount and discard me, God chose me. And just like the people that you as a church are going to serve, and you have some in other countries right now serving in missions, and we'll have them going to other countries and serve. Don't ever discount them because they were created in God, and God has a plan for their life. The agenda. John talks about an agenda. Jesus says this in verse number 10, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his agenda. You can look to your left. You can look to your right. You can look behind you. You can look in front of you. But that's the agenda that Satan has for every one of us. He wants to steal our dreams. He wants to kill our hopes. He wants to destroy our present and our future. That's what he wants to do. He wants to do the same thing for people anywhere on the face of this earth. But there's a conjunction there. The word but is a conjunction, and it ties together two statements. The statement that Jesus said, here's what Satan's come to do, but let me tell you what I've come to do. I have come that they might have life and have that more abundantly. 7,000 students in our school have life because of people like you. Because maybe you choose to sponsor one that helps them gain an education, helps them eat every day, not just Monday through Friday. It helps them to get medical care if they need that. It helps them to get eyeglasses if they need that, see a dentist if they need that. That's life when you don't know when your meal is coming from. That's life when you've never seen a doctor and you need to see one. 92,000 people fed a good meal every day. That's life. 37,472 patients treated in 2016. That's life. 2,172 farmers trained to grow rice and chickpeas to not only feed themselves but began to reach out into that country. That's life. 894 homes that we've been able to build since the earthquake. That's life. 1,606 salvations. That's abundant life. You see, everything that's done is done because God so loved the world. Everything we do is not so we can say this is how many we feed. This is how many is in school. This is how many surgeries we've done. This is how many homes we've built. 
Everything we do revolves around introducing people to the love of God through the hands of God, through the feet of God, through the heart of God. God so loved them that he came to Oxford, Alabama, and he found a congregation meeting in a building called Simple Church, led by a pastor by the name of Kenny. And in this church, he reached into your heart and he said, I want to give abundant life to some of my other creation. And you said, yes, God, we'll go, we'll be, we'll pray, we'll send, because we too love the world and the people that you created in your image. That's a thumbnail sketch of Mission of Hope. It's our heartbeat to win people to the kingdom at the foot of the cross so they too can tell others about him. Let's pray. Father, it's great to be loved by you, to be known by you, to be touched by you, to be cared for by you. It's great, God, to know that you love people outside of the borders of the United States of America. You love them so much that you would choose to talk to us, to have us give of our resources, to have us pray for, to possibly have us purchase a ticket and join a team and go. You do these things so that life can turn into abundant life. People are going to go hungry again. People are going to be without shelter again. People are going to need medical attention again. People are going to drop out of school again. But if they've got abundant life, that is always eternal. And we thank you for it. And we give you praise for it. In the precious name of Jesus, join me in saying, amen.